take Spreadsheet and then build the avatar of your customer. So simple, not too hard. Just build on what the avatar, if you don't know what it is, what is your person, um, you're the listener, you know, like who do you want to talk to? Just write down your ideas. You know, this is my ideas. These are all my ideas. Write down the bad ideas and the good ideas because when we write down the bad ideas, they get out of your head. So you, you record that, Does, you know, you could edit later. But then write down, you know, the spreadsheet of avatar of the customer. You could look that online what that is. But basically it's like, you know, what was after you find out your niche or whatever, what is the person that's going to listen to, you know, what what kind of music they listen to? What, what kind of movies they like? What, what's the political affiliations? What's this and this? Are you not getting the downloads you desire? Unsure about how to promote your podcast effectively or struggling to monetize your work? Well, you've just found the resource you need. Hi, and welcome to Mike's to Millions, the podcast that brings you exclusive in-depth conversations with top tier hosts in the health and wellness industry to help you grow your podcast. I'm your host, Sam Breakgear, co-founder of Podwritten, a podcast booking agency for health and wellness businesses. In every episode, we dive deep into what it really takes to get more podcast listeners, successfully promote your show, and monetize your work. Remember, if you like the show, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us grow, and in doing so, we can continue to offer you valuable insights and podcast growth tips. And now, let's get into it. My guest today is the host of Longshot Leaders, a podcast that shares the stories and secrets of leaders, innovators, entrepreneurs, and various high achievers. The show interviews people from all walks of life and explores their struggles, shortcomings, challenges, and setbacks that have ultimately led to their growth and betterment. My guest is a man with a very diverse and eclectic past in stand-up comedy, performing at the Comedy Store and Laugh Factory, as well as a background in acting and promoting nightclubs. And in his later years, went on to create a business selling tarps. In its first year, the company generated over half a million dollars and has become a multi-million dollar a year business. And when it comes to my guest today, this is just a small snapshot of what he has accomplished and achieved. I really cannot wait to learn more about you and your work. Michael Stein, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, I think we can potentially talk for hours, um, but if you can, would you be able to summarize like your background and how you ended up in podcasting? Well, I do that podcast, Long Shot Leaders, and the reason why I do it, my typical story is uh, I consider myself a long shot, and my story is my grandmother escaped the Russian concentration camps on her way to America. My dad was a New York homeless street kid, and he became a multimillionaire only to become homeless again. Uh, because I was the youngest in the family, I had to sleep in the same room with my grandmother until I was nine years old, and I'd hear that story about you know the Russian concentration camps, and I I was a long shot. My I was born prematurely. I, my, I wasn't planned. I had ADHD and, and dyslexia and a learning disability. And I really, you know, it was kind of like, you know, a basket case as a kid. And I didn't have any success other than making people laugh or making, you know, making fun of myself or other things. And so it was my first bit of success. But then um, I really, you know, I, the movie, like most American kids, the movie Rocky, when I was 11 years old, I saw this movie. I was like, wow, this is, this is like, this sings to me because here's a guy that's like me. He's funny. He fails a lot, but he keeps on getting back up. The only difference between Rocky and myself was that he was physically fit. So I decided from that day on, I'm going to become physically fit. So I worked out every day. And by the time I was 16, I was successful at that. I became a physical fitness trainer while I was in high school. And then I started going to gold gym and I was, you know, very successful at that. So I said, wait, there's two things I can be successful at funny and i could be physically fit and you know and do that so then i said time plus effort equals success 
long story short, I got into, I, I said, told my tutor, I said, I want to be in my school. I said, I want to be a entrepreneur, a stand-up comedian, an actor. And she goes, you know, you should work with their hands because not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. And I said, screw you. My dad never finished eighth grade and he became a multimillionaire and I'm going to do what he did. You know, I want to make money. He became a multimillionaire selling these calculators in the seventies when they were like, became a little smaller. They called him the calculator kid. So I said, I want to be the calculator kid. So then I started a business uh, selling tools like he used to do before that. And it failed miserably. And I said, Holy shit, maybe she's right. Well, I waited like six months later and then I, I did stand up comedy for the first time when I was 19 and I brought a lot of people there. And I said, you know, I could do this with nightclubs because nightclubs in Los Angeles are really popular, you know, in the eighties. And I said, all right, I'm going to be a nightclub promoter. And then within six months, I became the number one nightclub promoter in Los Angeles, in my age bracket. And I said, wow, that's once again, time plus effort, you know, if you just find your niche and find your thing. And then um, I decided I'm going to become an actor. And after four years of doing nightclubs, I left the nightclub business and I wrote and directed many award-winning, you know, short film, uh, you know, and documentaries. One film got me close to a movie deal, but no movie deal after like, you know, four years of like, no, no, no movie deal, no job. And I said, screw Hollywood, man. I'm going to make my own movie. Except by this point, all the nightclub money was gone. I was broken in debt. And I said, I'm going to make my own movie, but I got to get, I got to make money again. So I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur again. So I wanted to do something on the internet. And I chose tarps for many reasons. And uh, I said, cause I wanted to niche down and give people something that people need and all that. Within six months, I made a half a million dollars on the internet. And then I was able to make my movie. I made a big movie, uh, wrote, directed, produced, and acted with a movie with Faye Dunaway, Andy Dick and Coolio, a lot of familiar, you know, familiar faces that you've seen. And it didn't make me money, but since then I made that business into, it grew it big time since it's made well over a hundred million dollars. Long story short, I'm a long shot. I would say I've gone up and down when I said, you know, if I was, if I was ever going to do a podcast, I'd want it to be like a Rocky kind of story about entrepreneurs that have failed and succeeded, maybe even failed again, but then ultimately succeed at the end with longevity. Cause my dad kind of went through the failure and success and he kind of like failed. So I thought this would be great to find out what is the algorithm of somebody that, you know, has failed or starts from a very low point and they're a long shot but they, what's the algorithm of what makes them succeed, but also sustain success. And that's why I do long shot leaders. And that's kind of like my story. That's awesome. And I really think it's so inspiring that you do focus on overcoming the odds. I see, I suppose in a similarity, a way of like uh, this podcast and, and what you do, because I want to find that algorithm myself of what makes all these podcasts is successful, because there are so many podcasts out there. Most of them fade after a few episodes. And I think creating a successful podcast is also a long shot. And I know that you started the podcast in uh, March, 2021. Obviously that's like quite deep into the pandemic or around that time. Uh, what inspired you to, to launch it then and there? Did like being stuck at home or seeing like a, a, an increase in podcasts like influence your desire to, to do this? No, I wanted to do it long before that. First one podcast, like in like seven or eight years ago, you know, or nine years ago, they were like, kind of like, ah, it's a podcast. It's not like, you know, it's not like real radio, <laughs> you know, it's not respectful, you know? And then uh, so after a while, that was ridiculous because I said, what a great medium, you know? And I started understanding more about it, but it took me a year and a half to really kind of figure out, cause you know, I'm busy, you know? So I said, look, how, how can I put a process 
and automation. And then whatever I can't create a simple process or an automation for, what can I leverage? So I had to do that with, you know, in order to fit my schedule, because I do that with everything, processes, automations, and leveraging. So I had to figure out what's the easiest way to do a podcast, most efficient. Um, how can I, you know, you know, uh, stockpile everything to where I'm ahead of that wave. When you start, you know, you can't like, you know, have gestation periods. It needs to be steady and consistent. So I kind of planned for it like a year and a half, maybe even two years before that, slowly but surely listening to podcast people on how to make a podcast. I wanted to do it like there. And, and, uh, you know, one of the greatest people to, to me to listen to how, how to do it. And I, cause I, I kind of got this audio book with John Lee Dumas, who's been on my show. And to me, when you want to learn something, you go to the best. And John Lee Dumas to me is like, he just fits for me. He's like the best at, how to do a podcast and, and everything's done by the gold standard of how he executes it. So, uh, and he covers it full 360. So I kind of like said, look, you know, I'm going to, I followed him, uh, on, on how to do it and, um, just kind of like, you know, strategize from there. Yeah. John is definitely a good, uh, a good goal for that or a good inspiration. One day I'd love to have him on the show, hopefully. And previously you mentioned that you have ADHD. Uh, I'd be curious to know, like, how has that impacted how you create long shot leaders? Mm. You know, it's funny because I didn't find out that I had that until later on. Somebody came into my company. They're, you know, a very smart person, Ivy League. And I had them come on. We're at a, a stage. Both my parents died. And I was switching locations from Los Angeles to Texas. I was over inundated. So I was, I want to come them up, have them come in. And they were really a high intellect, you know, uh, business personality, you know, he was very blunt and he just beat the crap out of me every day, you know, business wise. And I was like, okay, bring it. It was good pain. And, um, after like a year, cause his wife had ADHD and he's like, you got ADHD. And I was like, screw you. I don't got them. What did I get out of here? I've always known I've had, I've been put in a special, when I was a kid, I was put in a uh, school for special needs, <laughs> you know, for like six months. I've always known I've been a little hyper and different and, um, there's a lot of people that have this undiagnosed, diagnosed, you know, ADHD, but um, I check all the boxes apparently. And um, once I was able to find out what those were first, I needed to tell myself from a personal development standpoint, I told myself, this doesn't mean anything. This can mean anything I want it to mean. That was the first thing. I don't want to pay, you know, I don't want to leave a label and I don't want it to dictate on my performance or, or anything. But then I could say, well, let's find out what these key points are. And then because I was cognizant to those things and I was able to address it, I wouldn't do long shot leaders. If he really didn't mention that, you know, a year and a half, two years before that, I would have done a different type of podcast because then I was able to say, well, who am I? I want to, I want an eight mile, you know, Eminem reference my situation. So before anybody else says, well, I have to really be who I am. you know, and I know with stand up comedy also, I was never, never going to do a podcast that wasn't, who I was, everything I do, it has to be because then it's not authentic and it's not real and it's not engaging. And how is the podcast? I will add this. The podcast has helped the ADHD because it forces me to listen to, I'm doing a lot of talking right now, but when I talk to somebody else, I am moment to moment exercising that muscle to be concentrating on the details of the conversation and what that person's talking about. And it's different than hyper-focus because hyper-focus is something that ADHD people do really well. Hyper-focus is like, sometimes they'll be talking about something that is not your forte, but I 
exercise that muscle to where it's like it's a portion of that conversation where I'm still moment to moment. And it's really been helpful. So the podcast was not only is it that's how I came up with the idea also with long shot leaders and, and kind of exploiting that part of me, but also the podcast has helped concentration and being in the moment and listening and, and uh, breaking down information as your brain is getting that information. So that's how that's helped. That makes sense. And you did mention there that you were talking a lot. And by all means, this is your invitation to talk a lot because I want to learn a lot about you and your podcast. But I do have to say as well that from listening to your podcast, I think you do a really good job of interviewing your guests because unlike a lot of hosts, and I think I'm sometimes guilty of this, uh, you don't necessarily always do a lot of talking. I, I was listening to one of your interviews the other day and I love the way that you ask questions to your guests and, and sometimes they're quite short and precise and to the point. How do you come up with questions? Is it always something that you think up on the spot or do you like to prepare uh, questions beforehand? This is an embarrassing thing to admit, but I'm going to admit it. You know, I have a lot of things that I'm doing, business and stand-up and, 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 and all these other things. I have so many things going on and I have everything automated to set up my schedule. Total... Do it, John Lee Dumas, like Calendly, like the whole thing. And then I will look at the bio uh, maybe five minutes before I talk to the person because I speed read through the whole thing. I'll look through the whole bio. I, I might say, it depends on the person, how much, how much they have to cover, but I'll go online. I'll maybe look at a little something, but I already have a format. I'm doing like a John Truby screenwriting, save the cat screenwriting story structure. And my story structure is, What's the origin story? What's the what's the ghost of the person's past? What's the inciting incident? What's their what was their their moral need as they were coming up? What was the you know what led to that? What was the dark night of the soul? You know, I already have that as a screenwriter. I have this inherent you know kind of format that I always follow, and that's inherently how I think, anyways. And then, as far as the questions, I really just try to go into their entire life at as a fastest clip to really kind of go through the major milestones and cutting out the fat. That doesn't matter, but seeking out the thumbprint of each person of who they are. And then I react to well, what does that happen? Sometimes, I mean, my, my interviews should be a half hour long, no longer than that, but sometimes I'll get into an hour, an hour and a half if I have to, because the answer that they gave led to something that wasn't something else and something else. So it's, it's, it's counter punching. It's improvisation. It's moment to moment with an overall structure, kind of like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. If you ever watch that show. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love the style that you use and it, it does feel very, very genuine. It makes sense that you're very much in the moment asking those questions. And I'd like to take a step back and understand the timeline of the show a little bit more. So obviously you mentioned you started in March, 2021. What did the first year of podcasting look like for you until like March, 2022? What did that look like? Yeah. So when I first started, I would do an intro and an outro, you know, the intro would tell, talk a little bit about it. Now I just, people understand podcasts. People have read the beginning on iTunes. They'll, they'll look at, you know, who it is. I just go right into the person. I'm like, this is who it is. Let's go into your story. Sometimes even if they don't know it, you know, if they want to know, do I want to spend time with this podcast? They'll go on iTunes and look at it. I jump right into the storytelling right away. So if they don't want to know, then it's kind of like a nice little story. So I just, you know, it streamlined my process. So everything in that first year was like intro, outro, a little bit more structured. And as far as the performance, my, my questions were, um, I was overexcited in the beginning, you know, like I'd be like, 
I have a very expressive face, almost look like people are like, oh my God, this guy's nuts because I'm, I've, I've grown up in a Jewish neurotic family. So every like emotion has like been exhibited in our family. So that's me expressive when I'm hearing something, I could be like, oh my God, or like, I'm fascinated or like, you know, that, like, that sounds disgusting or, you know, I'm very expressive. So very much so in the beginning as to where now it's a little bit more tame which is, I think, better because I was so, so expressive because it was a different medium. So I think now it's more uh, streamlined. I've actually just started my second podcast, which is the Stein Time Show, which is comedians and actors. And then we're starting our third uh, podcast, which is Bolator, which is outdoor adventure stories because I'm launching a new company called Bolator, which has its own patented brand of outdoor products that are very unique. And we're having outdoor adventure stories on that one. So Creating a new podcast is easy. There's no difference than, than once you've done one, it's so much, it's just, it's just a different conversation under a different name with a different, slightly different format of how you're going to, to do it. Longshot Leaders is much different now. It just, it's all about telling the story like it's a screenplay, going through the person's life at a flat, fast clip. Where are you at today? What do you have planned for tomorrow? And then, you know, how can people find you? The full, you know, Reader's Digest version of the person's life. Stein Time Show is about how did your career get started? Where's your career now? Where's your career going to go? And even in the, in the micro with um, Bolator is tell us about one time you're, you're, who, you're, who you are in general overview, but let's go into one adventure story. So they're kind of like the opposite of each other. So that's how my storytelling has and the podcast have changed from doing uh, all three different types of formats of storytelling, which is long form, medium form, and very short form. It's interesting you say, well, like once you've done one podcast, it then becomes easier to do more. I'd be curious to know if you could even summarize or give us an idea of what lessons you've learned from producing long shot leaders, which you're then going to carry into these new podcasts. You know, it's just uh, once you have the process, everything's difficult, most difficult in the beginning. So once you build the process, you have your infrastructure, you have a system, it's easy to duplicate the system. So to me, as far as podcast, you know, style, more reps you do, you have after a while, you're, you, um, when you start anything, you have four levels of consciousness, right? You have before you start it, you have unconscious incompetence. You don't know how to tie a shoe. You don't even know what that is. Then you learn how to tie a shoe, but you, you don't know, you haven't done it yet. So now you have conscious incompetence. Then you learn how to tie the shoe. And now you have conscious competence. And then after a while, you're so good at it. You've been doing it so many times. I think I'm at 408 ep well, with the other podcasts. I'm like, you know, 450 episodes of podcasting to where you have a, I'm a level right now, I think I'm hitting unconscious competence when it comes to podcasting to where you're just doing things and you're kind of like your subconscious is aware of what you're doing. You know, it's, it's in there, but you're not really consciously know sometimes when you're doing something correct, you're just doing it. I like the idea of unconscious competence. That, that makes sense because it's like anything, the more you do it, the more you just uh, pick it up more naturally. I also wanted to say, so to give the listeners some context, Michael and I, I think we've had some interaction, but it hasn't been for a while. I, I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I, I worked with a company and with my colleagues, I think maybe I either pitched Michael some guests and he liked them and they had them on the show. But I actually initially found Longshot Leaders through Pod News. For those that don't know, it's um, a podcast newsletter. And I remember seeing it and I think it was promoted. I think maybe it was in a promotion on the on the newsletter. 
I'd be curious to know how that worked if you've tried out promoting the show in other podcast newsletters and uh, if it really gave you like an ROI or if you saw more listeners come as a result of that or any other opportunities. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, you'll try a couple different things, you know, um, not with the new podcast, I haven't done it, but in the beginning with the very first podcast, Longshot Leaders, I will, so let's try this, let's try that. Does it work for us? We'll do some campaigns on this and that. Right now, um, I don't, I'm not familiar with a lot of those because what I do is I use um, a couple different ones. I do a lot more social promotion. I use um, Overcast. I like Overcast. They're, to me, they're a nice, stable, good, you know, that's where people are going. You know, that's a good, stable uh, place to get uh, downloads and uh, people noticing your, your uh, podcast. And then another good tool is, and I haven't done it lately, but uh, probably do it again. And I should with the new podcast, and we'll probably do that is uh, you promote on other people's podcasts that are same. That's, that's really a great, great tool. Cause that's where people are going to listen. And then, and then social. Um, other than that, the, the best thing is, is that if you're going to do an interview format, um, do something that is, it doesn't have to be super original, like MySpace, you know, you know, Facebook wasn't that different than MySpace, you know, but you do need to have your own thumbprint I think Longshot Leaders has its own little thumbprint. So then you've got to really just spit out content, enjoy what you do. And if it's an interview, it's hard. I don't, I could, I only do interview based podcasting because you're sharing that, you're sharing it with the person you interviewed and then they're going to go out and promote it as well. So the more you do, the easier it gets and the more promotion you get. So in the beginning, if someone's, I think the question, I'm, I'm going to kind of answer it. If somebody's starting a podcast for the first time, I would say, keep your costs low, but try to um, look on uh, maybe Fiverr and get, you know, Overcast and kind of see what you can advertise, you know, um, you know, what you can build up, you know, on your social, you know, do everything that you can um, and try it out and then look at the analytics. I don't look at the analytics too much because the reason I'm not trying to monetize my podcast, my podcast are a lead gen for other things that I'm doing and as well as a passion project. So it continues to grow. It doesn't grow like crazy, but I know the long shot leaders has grown steadily with a graph that goes from, you know, left to right, that constantly goes upward steadily as she goes, because I keep on getting more interviews. But um, that's my suggestion for the more episodes you do, the more people, and yeah, there's publications at work, but I think to me, two best th tools for growth to get more listeners is Overcast is like a base and then finding out a way that you can get on other people's podcasts. And then if you can advertise, you got a little bit, a little bit of coin, advertise on other people's podcasts, you know, pay for it. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, yeah, fantastic uh, advice there. And of course, being the uh, founder of Podwritten, a company that helps our clients get booked on as guests on podcasts, I, I'm obviously going to preach the value of that. But I'm really curious to know, like, how do you get booked on other people's podcasts? Um, there's like one of those couple of those pod match. I, I don't really don't do anything. I just sign up for it. And then once in a while it comes in. Now, what I'll probably do, like right now, I'm not actively, I, I do like I'm doing yours today. But we have like Bolator that's launching in March of 2024. Uh, so Bolator is going to be an outdoor product that we're going to try to, you know, we, we're going to build something that hopefully will be a household name. 
So we'll be actively using a service like you. And maybe who knows, maybe it'll be our service. And that will be to get us interviews with every outdoor podcast on planet earth to not just promote the Bolator podcast, but really promote our new launch of our product line and talk about what it does and how it relates to, you know, people that are feeling passionate about the outdoors. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, what I'll be doing in the future. But right now I, I don't really do much uh, because the more you do, the more your name's out there are people like, will contact me. I'm not even going for it, you know, at this point, but it's nice to get saying, Hey, somebody wants to interview you because long shot leaders is like a pretty cool podcast. And we've heard about it and we've known about it. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's nice. I, I'm just really, I, I just meeting friends and um, networking and slow, a slow build. Cause I'm, I'm this in this for the long haul for more of a lifestyle. I get that. I personally have to say, I love podcasting for the networking side of things. I think that's one of the most overlooked parts of podcasting. Most people think of it as they see it as building an audience. And yeah, that's a fantastic way of building an audience, getting in front of an audience. But even interacting with you today, it's so wonderful to have this conversation because I'm so curious about your history. And I think that you've had such an interesting life. And I really want to know more about it. And that's why I'm here. And then obviously, you've been kind enough to invite me on your show. And I can't wait to share my stories. And this never would have happened if we hadn't been so invested in podcasting. So I think, yeah, networking is a fantastic like bonus when it comes to starting your own podcast or just being on podcasts as a guest. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in Columbia. I'm in Georgetown, Texas. How awesome is that? And you're from, I'm from Encino, California, and you're from, from England. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Exactly. Like our paths never would have crossed. So um, it's a fantastic space to be in. I really love it. So I feel very blessed to be in this space. But I want to take us back to something. You Obviously, another thing that you mentioned there was um, you've kind of promoted the show in the past, like on socials. What social media channels do you use and how do you use them? Like, do you produce audiograms or do you take another approach? You know, it's funny. You know, my social has been such a ADHD mess in the past, you know, so I mean, I've done everything wrong. I've, d I've done something right for like maybe, you know, a week or two. And then I'll like just it'll fall off the way. So no consistency, family stuff mixed in with business stuff mixed in with passion. Pride. Oh, it's just so crazy. So now I, I just recently, cause we're revamping everything. And I just signed up with a, a marketing, a social marketing, um, specifically for TikTok, Cause I have a TikTok, but he's like, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do it this time. And this is, you're going to, this is what you're going to, this kind of content that, that you said that you want to kind of go. So this is how you're going to do it and everything. So I, I do, I have TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, Twitter. Well, now it's called uh, X, you know, so I have it all and it's not consistent. So one thing at a time. So what I'm doing this week is I'm starting to build content and I'll probably yeah, have it, you know, start being on a consistent basis in two weeks for TikTok. And it's got to be niched, not too niche for TikTok because it's a little more loose. You need to be more niche for YouTube, but it's got to be consistent. And there's just, there's just a way to go about it, you know, and it's got to, you know, find out what, what's going to be working and then stick with that because inconsistency and then contrasting concepts don't really do well. So as far as my social is concerned, because I'm an entrepreneur that sells a widget, we need to have everything. And the personal brand, this day and age, the, the CEO and founder needs to be 
is the brand that is that's like plot is character in a movie screen. You know, the, the character is plot. You know, no difference that the CEO is the plot of the company now. And uh, all that has to do with social um, media. So I believe you you need to have every channel. It needs to be taken care of. They need they all need to be consistent. And whether you're going to be super busy in the beginning, with me, I've already have strategized. I have virtual assistants that I'm going to be attacking on each one of those for the launch of Bolator. And that's what we're doing with that. But that's what my social looks like in the next near future. Fantastic. Very um widespread approach. That, that's cool. And um it's a lot of work, but obviously like the reward is there if you nail it. And um certainly I've seen like sometimes you can just see one social media take off. Even if you put your efforts in all of them, you might just see one snowball and then that's that's great. And you maybe put your focus there. Um I am someone that has I think social is my weakest side personally. I'm always more interested in podcasting, but I know social can be incredibly useful for growing a podcast. But I do want to um, take us on to another topic away from social and we've obviously spoken about getting yourself booked on other people's podcasts but you obviously um, have guests for your show and I want to know how do you get your guests well I have a VA virtual assistant and I spreadsheet out you know a want list and uh, I'll, I'll you know do that or there's pod match and people will contact me or if I find somebody you know sometimes I you know I won't get back if like, if there's like no long shot story there or, you know, it just, it's not a good fit. We don't really entertain it at all, but we will, you know, if it fits, I'll try to just slam it in there as much as possible, depending on, on the, on the uh, schedule. And um, I dedicate, you know, my uh, Fridays, I think uh, part of Wednesday in the evening, part of got some time open on Thursdays in my Calendly. And then I do, open for all of Friday, which is the most of the content that we, we, uh, we record. And then, uh, one slot on a Saturday and one slot on a Sunday. And that really keeps us open. And, um, that's, uh, kind of like, uh, how I get, you know, I, my guests from those channels and how often I, I do it, you know, some, you know, John Lee, I think says, try to compile six weeks in the bank as far as episodes. And uh, I think that's a good practice. So that's that's why I do. Uh, so those those are my avenues and how much I build up on on the uh, the episodes. Yeah, I definitely think planning ahead is important because one of the things that I've noticed in podcasting is that when you have that space, when you've got that room to breathe, you're more likely to make well informed decisions when it comes to quality. Uh, you're not stressed. Whereas if you do feel like crap, I got to put a show out within the next few days, then you scramble to put something together that's when quality can sometimes take a hit because you're trying to meet those deadlines. And that's a, that's a situation. Maybe I think I found myself in years ago when I started podcasting, but it's definitely, it's so nice to be able to have that mental uh, safety of thinking, you know what, it's okay. I can work on this and it doesn't need to go out for another like four five, six weeks or whatever. It's nice having that space. Absolutely. Once again, when you set up a process in place and you're doing it yourself, Sometimes that's not sustainable, but if it's going to be successful, uh, we're, we're using it for, for a different reason. So like the podcast wouldn't pay for all this, but with these virtual assistants, you set up a schedule, you have Google, you know, uh, you know, spreadsheet docs that you're sharing and you know, everything is kind of like either it's, you have a process for it and then you can automate it through Calendly or Zapier or certain things and automatic emails and whatever that can't be done there, then you leverage it off to a, a VA to where, you know, it frees you up to where you're just doing the interviews 
you're loading everything on a Dropbox or your personal file and then they're grabbing it and they're editing it and they're posting it. And then you're, you're off, you're off to a nice place to where you can, you know, spit that content out. And it's like, it's nice to know that you have that in Lipson already loaded, already scheduled. You go on there maybe once a month and you look at it and go, yep, they're doing their job. And, and then you can, you go on Apple iTunes and like, yep, it was loaded up yesterday. That's great. I don't need to worry about it. Yeah. When you can outsource things to people you trust that, you know, you're gonna, they're going to do a good job. That, that just makes the, the process way smoother. That's fantastic. And I wanted to ask, you obviously receive pitches. Um, we know that. Um, how many do you receive usually of people wanting to be on the show in like any given week? Uh, I get about like uh, 20 a day. Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> and a lot. yeah, that is a lot. There's a lot to go for. There's a, there's a full inbox right there. And of course the idea of your show is like, you want to interview long shot leaders. What do you look for in these pitches? Like what stands out to you as a long shot leader? Would you be able to give like some examples or what? Yeah. Someone would need to include. Yeah. Somebody that's really like, you know, has a, you know, not just a skill set, because you know, but somebody has that, you know, has like so like overcame something, you know, that's substantial. Or there's there's a different type of long shot. There's rarefied air. So there's two different avenues. Somebody that's started at a low point. I'll give you two examples. One is um I had uh Ben Lesser, who was a Holocaust survivor. That's a no-brainer, right? He's 94 years old and he went and he was in there when he was 15 and he went through a tour de France of like most unbelievable. That's my longest episode, and it was my most important because I'm I'm a Jewish guy and grew up with those stories. My grandmother escaping in the Russian concentration camps. And then it was very emotional and very intense. Then there was another guy who's you know a friend of mine. He he clicked with me. He he was a he was homeless since he was 12 to 24. Since then, he he got himself off the streets. He built the, he got a job and then he got, you know, now he's got his own little business and he, he just bought his own house in Omaha, you know, and it's not like a you know, it's not like a super wealthy dude, but that's 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 the juxtaposition, the contrast between where he started, where he is now. Then there's the third scenario, and that is rarefied air. So let's say somebody is like, um, you know, like I've Olympians, you know, or I've I've had somebody that lived on the space shuttle for eight months. Well, he did have a long shot story though, because this guy tried out to like become an astronaut over and over and over and over and over again years, you know. And but the, but there's rarefied air to where they're they might have not had so much of a long shot story, but they are super achieved. You know, so those are three different scenarios I look for. Somebody that is like, has started really low and now they're super successful or somebody that started so low, they went from super bad to like, you know, a really big jump to where they are today. And then um, somebody that's like so-called silver spoon, but then they they invented or did something that was rarefied. I just look for like a contrast between where they started to where they are now. That's the main thing. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. And I'd, I'd love to know more about like the technical side of your setup. You mentioned that you use Libsyn. Why did you pick this platform and do you like it? I do. I've, you know, I've done, I do research for everything. I, I do a lot of Libsyn versus this or this versus this, you know, uh, YouTube, you know, versus versus. And I try to find the best. If you're going to do something, what's the best? How much does it cost? And how much time does it take? You know, so you got to ask all those questions, but I'm very methodical. Lipson was it fit for me and my brain and 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 how um it could be sustainable because I'm trying to shave seconds off of minutes and minutes off of hours, you know. So like if I if I say look, this this seems and it's the best, 
then I, I, use, I chose that. Um, so I use Zoom for my meetings. I use Lipson for uh, my downloads. I have a Rodecaster mic, Rode mic, uh, the really good one. I forgot what model it is. I'm looking at it right now. It's the big long. It's like a foot long. It looks robust. I don't, I'm not stuck to too much of a budget, so I you know get what's really good. And then I got the Roadcasting, uh, Roadcast was the Roadcaster mixing board. I got the old one from two years ago, and I just bought the new one because I got uh, a separate area that I do. I do two different locations that I do uh, podcasting, and those are great because you just set your. It just cleans up the audio. It makes everything. It's, it mixes everything nice automatically. It's turnkey. Yeah, that's my whole setup right there. Record the episode after uh, Zoom downloads to my uh, saver my desktop. Drag it. I'll create a file in Dropbox. Two different podcasts. I like, you know, one I have a ShareSync, which has unlimited amount of uh, ShareSync is like a Microsoft product, unlimited amount of storage. But I'll also do Dropbox. Long story short, loaded in Dropbox under a file with that person's name. My VA goes in there. She'll take it. She'll edit it. Then um, she'll load it into a finished file. My other VA, uh, she'll go on. She'll grab that file. Go on Ellipson. She will um, load it up. I've given her the format of how I wanted the descriptions and the keywords and how everything's done on Lipson. And then she also uh, does, she loads everything onto uh, my WordPress uh, website and then, you know, creates the episode. We have a format for that. All this, when I do Calendly, a lot of times they're leaving the bio. She has my login to Calendly. So I have everything on Calendly. It's like, what's your bio? It'll say they're in Calendly. Here's your email. Here's their phone number. Here's all that information. So she has all that to load up on our, our WordPress. And then when the day, when the episode comes out, she will send them on behalf of me, the episode information, which is format, same format every time. And they'll say, Hey, underneath my name on my email or all my social links, you know, so we could stay in touch, you know, and some other call to actions for the guest. And that's pretty much it. And it's turnkey and it's just like clockwork. You know, find a good dependable VA to make sure that's executed, but um, that's pretty much the process. That's a very smooth process. And obviously you got a great setup there and it shows in the quality of your show, um, what you pay for is very much what you get. So uh, that's no surprise there. And as we kind of like come towards the end of the show that I wanna ask some like kind of bigger questions really. And I wanna know what do you consider to be your greatest success in podcasting? Mm. Well, that's easy for me. I, I think it's, you know, I really wanted to do a good job when Ben Lesser, who's the Holocaust survivor, and I said, you know what, I don't care what kind of movie star, because I've had, you know, people that I've really admired, you know, like Carl Gottlieb, who wrote Jaws, which I've quoted that thing, and I love Carl Gottlieb, and, I, and then uh, Jeff Ark, who's like a personal development guy, and he wrote Sleepless in Seattle. I love those guys big time, and I was like, because I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a screenplay writer, I was like, oh, I can't wait to, that was, that was big, but to me, what can you, what's, what's valuable to a lot of people and what's rare, what seems important. Like if a Martian was going to come down from, from to planet earth and, and he was going to listen to a podcast, what would you record for that Martian? And to me, Ben Lesser, which was my first like month four, I was podcasting. I took my time with the intro. I took my time, you know, to real, and I let him do most of the talking because he was so, he was like a train, a beautiful trained horse like your horseback ride. he knew the trail because he's he's talked about it so many times and then we had it was a two-part podcast i had to break it up in two different episodes to me that was my proudest moment you know i could 
hear my grandmother, my mom crying from, you know, somewhere, you know, like just, you know, because it was an important for being, being growing up with, you know, hearing the story about those, the Russian concentration camps again. And then I, I was, I cry, you know, my, my friends joke around that I make a lot of people cry sometimes on my podcast because they're talking about the personal life. Well, actually Ben Lesser, he made me cry because what he was talking about was so intense. And so it was like, it was like Schindler's list entrenched in this like really intense, you know, like story. And I, the, the stories I couldn't, it was, it was sensationalistic, but it had to be heard and it wasn't gratuitous. So I would say that definitely was the most uh, best podcasting episode. Uh, it's not like it, it it's, it, you know, like uh, I'm sure people can understand, not like I don't appreciate everybody else, but that one was just so t intense. And so, so, um, and look, you know, a lot of these people are not around anymore. And this guy actually has a tattoo on his arm, you know, and it was just so incredibly, he was so gracious in sharing it. So I, it was a, I can go on and on about that one, but that, that's the one that stands out the most. That, that makes sense. Um, and it's so wonderful that that's what you feel is like the high point of your, your podcasting, I suppose, experience. That's really nice that you had that kind of emotional interaction and that opportunity to connect with your own history in a way uh, through, through podcasting. Now, before we go, I want to know if you have any advice for our listeners who are looking to grow their audience, what what last last nuggets of wisdom would you want to share with our audience? Okay, how we get a spreadsheet, take spreadsheet, and then build the avatar of your customer. So simple, not too hard. Just build on what the avatar. If you don't know what it is, what is your person? Um, you're the listener. You know, like who do you want to talk to? Just write down your ideas. You know, this is my ideas. These are all my ideas. Write down the bad ideas and the good ideas because when you write down the bad ideas, they get out of your head. So you, you record that. Does you know you could edit later. But then write down, you know, the spreadsheet of avatar of the customer. You could look that online what that is. But basically, it's like, you know, what was after you find out your niche or whatever, what is the person that's going to listen to, you know, what what kind of music they listen to? What what kind of movies they like? What, what's their political affiliations? What's this and this? Just kind of get scope. Get scope of the whole situation. And then start to listen to other podcasts. And then listen to podcasts that, you know, you want to do. Start to write down everything. Write down your actions. Write down and prepare Prepare everything in advance. If you really want a successful podcast, your your episodes, you're going to grow through consistency and time. So you want to really make sure you have episodes in the bank. So you want to really strategize. People say start right away. I, don't, I disagree with that, but you do need a backdate. You need to say, look, you know, here's this, once you get scope and then you understand exactly what you have to do, then you have to say to yourself, how long will it take me to do this? And you say, well, it's going to take me a full four months to prepare. All right. So prepare for that full four months, four months. Then I would say add a month on top of that, just for, you know, just to make sure that you can accomplish this. And then you backdate it. And then you, you say, here's the, the end date. That's my, I've gave myself an extra month or two even. And say, I have to do it. That's my launch date. And then write down all the action items and everything you need to do. And you YouTube how to's and you do everything you can and you make sure that you have all that done. And that's the systematic way to do anything really, you know, bigger projects take longer, you know, but I wouldn't start until you're ready to make sure that everything's set, ready to go. Because if it's not, you're going to lose steam. You're going to stumble. Your podcast isn't going to be as good as it can be. You're not going to get as many listeners because you're inconsistent. So with podcasting, you need to start and and never end and be, and be consistent. So you need to, you need to uh, strategize and plan. 
and I would map everything out. Uh, and it doesn't have to be hard, but I would just definitely put it down. Whether you like to write things down on paper, I'm more of like a, a spreadsheet person's like, wait, cause my, I got to know the dates and I got to see everything in chronological order. It's like, now I need to do this, 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 you know, and I would do that. That's my best advice that I can give. I get you. I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet, uh, guy myself. Um, so that makes absolute sense. And I think that's some fantastic wisdom to end the show on. And Michael, obviously people can go check out long shot leaders. But if they want to keep up to date with you, what you're working on, obviously these um, business ventures that you're getting into, what's the best way for them to do that? Go to michaelsteinmedia.com and you'll see information on the, the three podcasts that I mentioned, the Longshot Leaders, the Stein Time Show, and Bulletor Podcast, which launches at the end of the year. You'll see my bio story. You'll see my, my social links are attached there. And um, that's it. You'll be able to see everything you need going to michaelsteinmedia.com. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, folks. Long Short Leaders with Michael Stein. Please go check it out, listen to it, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure you leave a review. Michael, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Sam. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, you can find more helpful resources to grow your business with podcasting on our blog at podwritten.com and on Instagram at podwritten. You can also find a full transcript for this episode on our website, so be sure to visit podwritten.com or follow the links in the episode description. Until next time, stay healthy, happy and successful.